Crystals by Sun Watchers from their album, <coughs> excuse me, Illegal Moves. Mm. Uh huh. Um, excellent album. You'll be hearing more about that from me. Um, that's that's free jazz, free rock. jazz rock. Yeah, which is kind of what I want to hear. Um, that part just sounded like rock to me, but I believe you. Oh, uh, there horns come in later, and there's more just like you know crazy improvisation stuff. Mm. Um, that was just getting into the groove. I see. Um, yeah. Uh, the cover of that album features a caricature illustration of, uh, for some reason, a, uh, leftist Kool-Aid man, um, having just literally beaten Uncle Sam to death, um, turning to a procession of other right-wing luminaries, uh, that he may beat them to death. Um... With Emma Goldman and uh, this band and the Tooth Fairy all corralling them in line. <laughs> so Okay. Yeah. It's on a gatefold vinyl, so it's pretty big in the version I got. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, they, are, uh, they are pretty militant leftists, it seems. Um, so, uh, Joe, I had a question for you today. Yes, I'm excited. Um. You know, Weezer has been in the news. There was that sketch oh, we talked good. about. They released like two albums recently, The Teal and The Black. They did. Um, so I was just wondering, has any band that you can think of just banked more uh, ongoing success in terms of time, album sales, album releases, whatever, off of two actually good albums? than weezer has like wow. just you know two good good albums two great albums obviously and some others that are passable but nothing else you know worth paying a whole lot of attention to by itself I and it's been like two decades 25 I years see... almost since Pickerton. oh wow um <laughs> that's weird to think about because uh, <laughs> I, I i'm okay with these albums being like 15 to 20 years old but once they start to get 25 or 30 years old yeah bizarre we're I at that point with buddy holly this is the 25th year i think or not I, buddy holly the blue album yes i can see why you want to give me some time to think about this yeah but really some research would be necessary yeah uh, i was fascinating I was, question it's true i mean i just because i was thinking about it, it was like like who is the weezer constituency these days like all the people all the indie people just universally agree um, that none of this stuff has been worth it for the for this century, um, and it's not like they're super popular. So, like, I don't get it. Is there like well, some pocket of twenty five to thirty year olds they, who really like the new Weezer stuff? I think they have a lot of fans and or stands. Okay, I don't know what the line is, but I, I know of several people who are just still big weezer fans they're like matt damon in that sketch and they're they're i think more of our peer group but also people that are younger than us Mm -hmm. um who got into them um maybe even later in their careers i mean there are people who started liking them later on and i think those people stuck with them i mean especially because they may have been drawn in by rivers 
weird pop shtick. Yeah. Uh, which which turned us off since we liked his uh, angsty geek shtick. Yeah, exactly. I I guess that makes I guess that explains my befuddlement is I have not met any of these like large adult Weezer fans. Um, it's it's just the hipster disdain is all I know. Um, um so, you know, Doc, you I I once read a uh, discussion of Weezer by Doctor David Thorpe uh, from <laughs> something awful, and uh, he. Kind of as I used to go, he used to go through bands and talk by about why they sucked. Yes, um, your band sucks was the name yes. of the column. And he said that Weezer's first two albums, upon reflection, were really no different than the rest of their albums. Like they were kind of fucking with us the whole time. Yeah. And they're better music, I would argue, but like there's something, there's some truth to that comment. Um, that especially if you were to come to them a little later on, I think you would have a hard time um, pinpointing what makes the Blue Album and Pinkerton so different yeah. from uh, much of their later stuff. I think it's just a difference of degree of quality of just songwriting. Um, Pinkerton is a little different just because it's so... Uh, raw um but the blue album is just like better pop songs than the other ones i agree that he was sort of dopey the whole time it's not like there's something fundamentally different they're doing i think he just had all his best ideas we've talked about your theory on that yes Um, hold on i'm I'm trying to see if i can find the uh something awful the actual let's see um I'm sure if you do, your band sucks. Yeah. Cite somethingawful.com. I'm going yeah. to read it. Uh, all by Dr. David Thorpe. Mm-hmm. Um, the first paragraph and a half. It's understandable, if not excusable, that kids of my era, mid-20s kids reared on MTV, still look back on the first two Weezer albums with misty eyes. This is, fr- this is written in 2006, by the way. Mm-hmm. Weezer was easy music in a difficult era, era, a perfect starting point for a 12-year-old just starting to notice music. Amid the turbulence and suicide, Weezer was a calculated effort to rehash and modernize the simpler pleasures of the cars and keep cheap trick. They had quirky lyrics, silly videos, and an indie facade tacked to a major label budget. It's easy to see in retrospect that Weezer was a money grub from day one. <laughs> Fake indie, custom stitched by Geffen to attract those youngsters who weren't quite candy enough to recognize authenticity. It only takes one glance at a video like Buddy Holly or one spin of a track like El Scorcho to realize to recognize that Weezer was merely pavement with training wheels. They had the ironic <laughs> arena rock pretensions of Dinosaur Jr. Uh, without the drilling fuzz. Um, although, as we've seen in years, Weezer's arena aspirations weren't so ironic after all. The nerdy yeah. girl troubled lyrics of Seba Doe without the tape hiss, and most obviously, the referential slacker chic, chic of pavement without the brains. It was phony. It was kids bop. Indie rock. Uh, indie rock edition. Uh, <laughs> so... <man. laughs> Okay, it should be noted that this was like an intentionally trollish com- column. Yes, like, he shat on bands he likes. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> later, later he does say one more line. Many of you, despite having grown up, still revere the Blue Album. Look back over it with a critical eye and lay your fond associations with puberty aside. You loved the album when you were twelve because it's written for twelve-year-olds. <laughs> These are good lines, but I disagree. It's yeah. actually just like better pop I think than, than, than he's giving it credit I, for. I can I can push back on all this, but there there is truth oh, absolutely. to what he's saying. And it in two thousand six, of course, I mean to just yeah. um bring this to me was devastating. Uh, <laughs> to your question. Yeah. So I, my only candidate I could think of was Eminem. But yeah. A, I think Eminem's third best album is regarded way better than Weezer's third best oh, album. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And B, he's literally not been doing it as long as Weezer because he started he became famous after Weezer. So Yeah, I mean I think there there must be bands from earlier eras of rock um yeah. that have been um trading on this. Um I'm but this gonna, well, like Weezer has lived well, is what I'm is what's yeah, crazy to me. You know, they certainly um, 
I'm I'm looking at uh, Rolling Stone's list of the top one album wonders, which is probably going to be a lot of bands that didn't really um, go on to do much. Yeah, I mean, because it's like a lot of that is like the Sex Pistols or like yeah, who like literally were dead ne- in jail, right? Yeah, <laughs> like Jeff Buckley dead, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this is a lot of people who just. Yeah, these are people who only managed to record one album. So, yeah. hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's rare. That's what I, I do think. I wouldn't know if a band like Dire Straits, for instance, only had one or two good albums and like traded on it for 20 years. I, I just wouldn't yeah. know that kind of thing. That's true. Uh, too well. <laughs> Not to pick on Dire Straits, uh, good band. Uh-huh. Um, but I have no idea what, you know, yeah. I mean, tears for fears, they, hmm. they're still touring and they are, they oh, have, my dad is still a mega fan. I, I don't know that they have more than one. They, I think they probably have two good albums. Yeah. I think that's probably true. Cause I think that, that they, um, the songs from the big chair is the one album that has all the hits on it. Um, and then they had one early album. So that's, you know, I think there's, there are bands like that, but I don't know that that's the same. Weezer, yeah. Weezer has a certain artistic credibility. Yeah. That they that's s- just, <laughs> it's bizarre that they still have it. Like no one gives a fuck about a new tears for fears album, but yeah, people talk about new Weezer albums. Well, Weezer would like lead pitchfork last week or something with their new album. I think they must, it must be, um, something about the geek yeah. culture. Oh, they've they tapped al- into the they, geek culture. Yeah, They really align well with that. I think a lot of people who love, Rick and Morty or comic book movies, yeah, um, are are Weezer fans, and they bring that same energy to the and band. that same just like utter indefatigability, yeah. Um, just like it doesn't matter if it's sucked and if it's painful for me to do it, I'm still gonna expose myself to the new shit. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you um, pa- you pair that with the fact that every music writer who is important right now, um you know us included so important <laughs> uh, spent their youth like in my case literally saying weezer was his favorite band yeah his or her favorite band until like you know they they grew up a little bit so yeah that's that's another big factor yeah so this ended up being way too serious of a segment for an opening bit it did um we're gonna have to delete and re-record Yes, yes, and you don't stop. Cool ID, best rapper, you don't stop. Another fucking hundred fucking dollar for the style for you and your mind. Come on, yeah, you can never define anything but divine love. I'm a savage beast, <laughs> slightly above average at least. Nah, preference is relative. My references consistently uh, bring you to another vicinity. I hit you with the riddles consistently. Dead in the middle, a little triply. Little did we know that we triggered a fissure in the metaphysical imagery, elegant painted in oil. Love is a flower, see how dissolving the power is dissolving the hours as well. The tower, a bell at the top of it, a hawk, a pigeon, a dove, a vision of love. And welcome to Savage Beast. Uh, I'm Joe Gallagher. With me, as always, uh, the man who will. Uh, help Rivers Cuomo's son get into Harvard, no matter what. <laughs> it's Paul McLeod. <laughs> um, shit. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I would actually. He's, I'd be like, <laughs> his legacy. He doesn't need help. I th- I would drive up the price. That's for sure. I'd be like, you're giving me a significant portion of the post Pinkerton royalties to make this happen. Yes. Yeah. Um, we're, we're just, um, uh, you know. Rivers has to play one concert for you. Mm. <laughs> I should year. make him play every, every year. His son's at Harvard, and it can only be Pinkerton, or you know, pre-Green Album songs. The B sides yes. are okay too. Yes, <laughs> just to piss him off. Yeah. Um. Uh. This this is just cruel, actually. At this yes. point. <laughs> but you know, he's trying to 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 short circuit the meritocracy that we all know and love. I, I he deserves it. Um. In this hypothetical. 
Anyway, I wish uh, I wish yeah. it hadn't just been like athletics in that scandal. I wish someone had been like they'd pretended they were in like a successful indie rock band, or or like know? actually pretended to like be part of the orchestra or some shit. Like they're just in the back hitting <laughs> just, the triangle, <laughs> or they just like they photoshopped their head onto some like forty year old man in the like Boston <laughs> Symphony Orchestra. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, some of them got, like, athletic scholarships or something at the oh, schools. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, I'm imagining, like, you know, put these put these dipshits, like, in the art school or something and just have them doing the worst art next to all these starving, serious people. Yes, yes. Um, I think the problem is that art school probably actually is that. Like, there's just no... Yeah, no that's true. Hold barred. <laughs> that's that's true. It probably that's where all the fail sons go anyway. Um, yeah, all the ones whose parents were too cheap to like get them in <laughs> on some real school. qualifications. Yeah, <laughs> um, we got we can't get distracted because I'll rant about the the sheer idiocy of that for a while. <laughs> um, I guess yeah. Okay, uh, I'm not just, gonna. Just, you're just, right. We're, we're done. The articles <laughs> are starting to come out. That's like. Like, it's like if a band's album was like, you know, people were excited about it. And slowly they're like, ah, this, this eh, wasn't that good. People are like starting to be like, well, this is, uh, you know, these people are pretty fucking stupid. Like, how <laughs> stupid are they? <laughs> they did this. Um, anyway, yes. uh, Paul, you uh, went and saw the band Low. Yeah, that was two nights ago. Were you Monday. high? Yes. I was, um, but so the show was listed at starting at eight, and as we all know, bands are very punctual these days. Mm-hmm. Really, was not the case fifteen years ago. Um, so uh, I wa- in, in, I after prep- preparing, I walked in about eight oh five and was surprised that nobody was on. You know, I was expecting it to be the opening band or whatever. Um, but then, uh, yeah, just went got a space. Mm, you know pretty close to the front it's a tiny tiny little under basement bar in phoenix uh, pretty great venue um and uh, uh proceeded to stand there for the next 55 minutes while uh, a bunch of the old people around me started complaining and then they came on promptly at nine uh with no opening act hmm. so yeah um i had lost a little bit of the edge by then but that was fine um is my point uh it was uh, so basically, Low, uh, we men- I mentioned uh, Double Negative, great album. Um, so just to uh, give a quick review of the highlights of Low, first of all, I looked at their itinerary. They're playing like 13 shows in 14 days or something. Um, so props to them, given that they're like definitely in their 50s, if not their, if not like 60. Um, and uh, they also were, um, you know, their thing on record is that uh, Mimi and Alan, married couple, um, just harmonize all the time mm-hmm. really well. They kind of, it's almost countryish how they harmonize sometimes, even though nothing else about the music is country. Right. Um, and uh, they just pull that shit off perfectly live. Um, there's no, it sounds exactly as good as them singing on the album. So that's really impressive. Um uh and it's really really beautiful and transporting especially when they do some of the noisier tracks because uh it's impressive also that it's really just him on guitar her on a very limited sub meg white drum kit um and a dude on bass wow and yeah and uh they they fill up the sound pretty well i mean obviously some pedals are being used but um that's all the instrumentation and you know when they go into the heavy distorted noisy parts it it works and it's effective um i also want to say like uh, i'm used to having my ears blown out a little bit by rock concerts they kept this at a nice adult listening level where it was loud Mm. but not not ear splitting um i walked out with no ringing in my ears um i could have actually used it a little bit louder but you know it was nice um and the one dis- disadvantage of the the relatively subdued volume is that somebody tried to finger snap their appreciation for the music, which I thought was ludicrous. That's bizarre. Uh, <laughs> what is I mean, wrong with people? <laughs> it's really just like, come on, you have you can't you can't finger snap the soul's apocalypse. That's all I'm saying. That's just, uh, that's that's just someone trying to be funny. 
I no, it was a seriously earnest person. Oh yeah. So here's the funny part that 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 made me laugh. First of all, oh last good thing about the show, they played for like an hour and forty five minutes, which is like really long for a set these days. I feel like, um, so that was cool. Unless you're going to like a big arena show or whatever. Um, anyway, um, so they actually. I kind of didn't expect them to talk at all, but they dip, they dipped into the stage banner mostly from from Alan Sparhawk, and he was very dry and very funny, um, and uh, uh, at one point somebody like the crowd was a little bit older and thus like significantly dorkier than most of these shows that I go mm. to. Okay, um, yeah, interesting. I have no conception of what of who likes low. <laughs> Well, they've been so, around for 25 years. Yes, um, as true. this show will, as the story will demonstrate, because somebody at one point was like, "Because um, well, first of all, they were just like, hey, yeah, we haven't been to Phoenix in like 15 years, so it's cool to be back. We love it, blah blah blah." Which I think I saw them in Tucson the last time they were in Arizona, if that's the case. Um, but um, so somebody was like, "Hey, you ever play Vegas?" And they were like, just about to play. A song and Alan all of a sudden stops he's like okay funny story um, <laughs> <laughs> and so then he um, and there were like a lot of comments like that coming from the crowd during any break um, and so then he tells this pretty funny story about how they were in Las Vegas and they got booked at the last minute to be like the first opening act for low on a three band set or not low for whole on a three band set yes um, but like they weren't famous at all and they were they they were backstage at some point and they saw francis bean with her and stuff which he he mentioned um so it must have been cool to see francis bean uh, even for him um uh as a baby um and then he was saying though that later on he went you know to the back to be like uh to try to get backstage and start to set up and um the bouncer guy or whatever you know he walks up to him and he's like hey uh from the band low here to to start getting ready and the guy was just like um what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) and so apparently alan was a little timid he just goes i'm just not gonna push it and so then he left (laughs) they they got in the car and drove away and three hours later their booking manager called them up was like where did you go and it's like (laughs) they wouldn't let us in so so I thought that was pretty funny that he wouldn't even try to be like, no, actually, I'm wow. <laughs> that's 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 a dedication to like lo-fi, slow core. Yeah, exactly. Just, just slacker end, yes. to the end. Yeah. No, all right. Not even gonna say anything. Just gonna <laughs> walk away. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that was funny that somebody yelled from the audience was like, you know, like I said, it was a little bit older, dorkier crowd, and so there's a a pause at one point while he's tuning his guitar or something. And some guy in his forties is just like, like pipes up in like comic con voice. He's just like, thank you for still making such great music after all of these years. Oh God. Uh, yeah. I was just Ugh, like, it's oh. making me shiver just thinking about it. I did. I almost melted into the ground and I, you know, I, I had nothing to do with this, but I was just like, Oh fuck you, dude can't yell anything first of all you can't yell a complete sentence like that at a concert um and second of all just just like the chris farley snl sketch where he's uh being a huge fanboy came out 25 years ago it's been established that that is awkward for everybody watching and especially the person receiving the praise so just don't do that and alan definitely did seem like okay so anyway um, don't do that, people. Is yeah, the moral of that story. yeah. Do not do that. But he just had to talk to his favorite band, <laughs> and he made a huge mistake. You remember that time when you spent twenty five years making such great music? <laughs> that that was great. <laughs> uh, this is not helping. <laughs> All right. Um, maybe someday, Joe, somebody will come up to us and be like, "Thank you for making such great podcasts." For all of these years. Someone in our live show audience. <laughs> if you do, I'm kicking you out. Like you're fucked. Uh um, yes, yes. We don't we don't tolerate awkward comments mm-hmm. unless they come from us. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's the low show. It was fun. Go see them if you have a chance. Yeah. I'm surprised there's only three of them, like on stage to come to, to do the that kind of music. Uh, yeah, it's not their as last electronic. album. 
it's not as electronic as that last album was. That's all studio shit. But yeah, they, they do a good job of of approximating what was going on. Cool. Um, okay. Uh, so our, the next topic, Paul, you've been purchasing a lot of audiophile equipment mm-hmm. recent times. Um, lest we go through too much point by point, yeah, um, I, we want to focus. Uh, on one question today that I have, which is uh, that you have started using tubes, <laughs> sweet, sweet tubes. Yeah. To lube your music, make it yeah. nice and warm. Unbeknownst to you, I even got a second tube device in the mail today. Ah. Um, yeah. Um, so you just want to know tubes? Well, I want to know because to me, I, I do – uh, I, I they do purport to have um, the specific kind of sound mm-hmm. that I seek, which is kind of this warm, vintage, yes. analog, uh, whatever the fuck you want to call it, words that probably don't mean what anyone thinks they mean when they use them, but still sound right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question is, is there a difference? Yeah. Um, so I would say yes, subtly. Um, mm-hmm. if you, uh, you know, when you read like about all of this audiophile stuff, like even, even people who are going, who are super into it, like if you read their comments about what's better than, you know, this thing or that thing, um, it's like, you know, I, there's just a certain extra something in the highs or something like that. And it's just like... You mean about anything? About or, any, yeah, yes, any particular yes. piece of equipment. Yes, people are not, it's never definitive, like, whether and, something's better or not. Yeah, and it's clear that whatever they themselves are talking about was not some earth-shattering difference. So, I guess my main overall point about audiophile gear is, once you've spent... Uh, something beyond your computer speakers and your fucking audio, you know, your headphone jack. Uh, once you've gone beyond those things, like with anything reputable, you've probably gotten 98% of the benefits uh, yeah. that you can get yeah. for another $50,000. Um, so, but with tubes specifically, um, so I have a shit saga preamp, which has a shit large is the name of the brand for yeah, people yes. who don't know. Yeah. Spelled like the German last name. Um, it's, uh, it's got a large tube that you can optionally use. So basically it functions like, uh, there's another thing called a tube buffer. That's a standalone thing you can just put in any audio chain. It basically does that from within my preamp. Sorry for just burping on air. Um, uh, but, um, I would say turning that on, it's a little bit hard to tell exactly what the effect is because it definitely is like also just turning the volume up a couple notches when you do that. Right. Um, so you have to like, you know, quickly hit the button and then go down two notches or whatever. Yes. Um, that's, if that's you want to. Huh? That's a big thing when uh, auditioning equipment for audio files is like having a separate setup that allows you to like adjust for volume for when you switch between the two. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm, I've been testing all this stuff and I've got it where like, okay, all I have to do is like pop the cord out of my headphones and then pop the other one in. But even that takes like four seconds. And by then, you know, you don't feel like you've exactly uh, switched yes. it. Yes. But that tells you something also, if your evaluation depends on having this exact quick transition um, or else you can't tell, then uh, that kind of answers the question for you, doesn't it? Um, right. <laughs> it does. They do look cool. <laughs> These yeah. tubes, like just to be clear, these we're talking about the audio equipment when you see just this wacky, mad scientist glass light yeah. bulb looking thing sticking straight up from uh, your amp or other device. Yeah, these are these are what humans used as transistors before the exi- the existence of the integrated circuit. So back in the fifties and sixties, um, and a lot of these tubes that you find now were manufactured then and have just been sitting around and audiophiles go crazy when they find them um so um i will say though it definitely does seem to do that warm analog sound you're talking about i have two different tubes for my preamp uh, because that's the other thing is you can put different tubes from different manufacturers in and people will go on and on about the differences between them um and 
there, the difference there is very slight. Um, but the difference between just having the tube in and not, or on and not, I think it it's definitely significant and noticeable and enjoyable to turn it on. It's like a, it's like just a little extra flavor. It is. It, it kind of sounds like just turning up the mids, uh, mm-hmm. which maybe you could do that with a good EQ. Uh, not that anybody uses those anymore. Um, so. There's something there. It does make a difference. I also tried it. So I also got a shit Valley uh, headphone amp, which is like their entry level headphone amp um, today. And I was doing side by side tests with that um, uh, on my headphones, uh, along with a solid state headphone amp uh, that I have. Um, and, a you know, the biggest difference between those is the Valley just has more power. So when you turn it up loud, there's less distortion, it seems to me. Um, uh, but uh, the tubeness there or not, it's like, I think maybe the bass sounds a little warmer uh, mm-hmm. with the tube. But it's it's hard to tell. Yeah, You could have a great, great listening experience without it is basically what I've read decided yes i'm i'm listening to you now currently through my uh shit uh magni 3 headphone amp yeah uh, so you've got the solid state version yeah yeah and i i just I, you know as much as i'd like to have a little tube sticking up from it i th- i do think that i probably would not be able to tell the difference uh between the two um and you know the the um or I would be able to tell the difference, but I, I'm yeah. not sure that would be worth the uh, the investment without stepping some other stuff up first. Yeah. Um, you know, what I would suggest to anybody interested in this is uh, actually in a week and a half, there's going to be uh, a uh, sort of a, they're calling it a mini con up in Phoenix uh, for just audio files to get together. Somebody rented a hotel ballroom, basically. Mm, that's cool. And, yeah. And it's all organized through headfi.org. On which shit is actually very active. In fact, they published their uh, n- book length account of their com- company's formation on the forums on that site. Um, but uh, so they'll be there. Um, so I'm going to go up there with my gear, and they're going to be a whole bunch of other complete fucking dorks with all their gear. And you can listen to other people's shit and see. Uh, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. Uh, you can listen to other people's stuff. And. Um, See if it makes any difference to you and if it's worthwhile. And that way uh, you can save yourself a lot of time and headache. That's awesome. Like a, That's yeah. really cool. You have to report back from that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm going to talk about – I'm going to tell you about all the guys wearing socks with sandals oh and bad God. ponytails. But um, It's probably it, going to be a lot of people that look like you and then like one or two dudes like that who have like <laughs> such an insane amount of equipment that like – It'll be interesting because there's a long form thread. I don't know. It's it's going to be pretty dorky. I think. Yes, uh, I will say that that having a headphone amp is oh, yeah. absolutely worth it and getting good headphones. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about with just that that zero to something. You know, you're getting a huge benefit from doing that. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Um, and I do think that. The dirty secret is that EQ can really uh, uh, replicate a large percentage of these effects to the point where even experienced listeners couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. Now, I mean, uh, I guess tubes are also supposed to add a little bit of pleasant distortion. Mm. So that you can't really do with an EQ. Right. But, you know... Um, yeah it's it's like when i turn when i have the the tube off and on like i definitely like it better with the tube on but if i had never heard the difference i wouldn't be dying you know yes yes indeed okay well uh i think i'll probably end up buying some tubes anyway because <laughs> that's the way things go um but... yeah you know look on a uh, hi-fi shark.com it's a great site they have like it, it aggregates like all the used uh, audio listings from all over the internet. Um, so you can find good deals on this stuff. Cause what's nice about buying used with this stuff is it really doesn't degrade. Right. Um, it barely even becomes obsolete, especially if you're on the analog side, on the digital side, everything's a lot newer and computers are changing all the time. So you could, you know, lose some value, but we've been making awesome analog audio stuff for the consumers since the seventies. 
and a lot of that stuff is still great. So you can buy it used and then you can pretty much sell it used for about the same price and, you know, just lose the cost of shipping. So I will say that, you know, my uh, Pioneer amp that I bought from the 70s uh, did eventually uh, is now at the point where it needs repairs um, just ah. because uh, there are parts that need to be replaced um, on the, the the solid state circuits. Okay. Uh, you know, the capacitors. I All right. Well, on a, on a one to five year time scale, I think you're going to be fine with yes. this ho- a yes. hobby. Yes, that is absolutely true. Yeah. Um, I'm looking to see if there's a Portland, Oregon uh, meetup. And uh, I see there's one in 2005 uh, that I might <laughs> be able to go back and get... <laughs> Joe, let's do a podcast from the, uh, I forget exactly what it's called, but there's a Rocky Mountain Audio Fest in Denver every year. Uh, yes. I'm in. Uh, let's, okay, let's talk about some music. All right, let's do that. Um, we can make this fairly quick. Uh, so last time we did Joe's half of the Meaningful Hip Hop mm-hmm. Excuse me, playlist, and now we're going to do mine, bitch. Slump by DJ Shadow from his uh, classic uh, original album, Introducing. Uh, absolute classic. Yeah, just just uh, uh, unmissable. We've both um, been listening to it for 20 years. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is one of many great tracks on it. This one, um, I think, is defined uh, most uh, by the Bjork sample uh, that you hear in that uh, sort of synth chord progression. Um, which the first time I, I heard this way before I heard the Bjork song. And when I heard the Bjork song, it was like one of those things. You know, this happens all the time when you're familiar with a sample from uh, some later song. And then you hear the original and you're like, all of a sudden your head jerks up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, so that definitely happened when I finally heard the Bjork song. Um, but then, of course, on top of that, you have uh, the addition of those... Uh, very Paul-oriented, uh, extremely um, in-your-face uh, drums. And then Olivia Newton-John from a movie called Xanadu, where she roller skates a lot, has some nah, that's <laughs> vocal where those, samples. That's where those samples are from. I think that's right. I didn't look it up again for this, but I, I believe that's uh, what I read one time. Um, and, uh, yeah. So it's, it's an interesting mix. Um, that... I think mostly the reason it falls into the meaningful category for me is that uh, that synth riff is just uh, the perfect sort of uh, tension and release, uh, but not quite all the way released, longing little chord uh, set for me. Um, and then Wait, I really... Which, which synth line are you talking the, about? The main the main one, the Bjork okay. sample. Da, Got da, it. Da, 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 da. Yes. Um, and then the you know the subtle like uh, saxophone bits that 
uh, Shadow puts on top of it, uh, especially as you go through the track, are also really great. Um, but I love the juxtaposition of that with the completely hectic uh, drum breaks. And um, then somehow even the the really kind of dorky uh, vocal samples um, fit into that. I, it's hard for me to articulate why, but I mean, she's talking about like roller skating and Darth Vader and shit. But um, somehow it feels, I don't know, set to that music, it feels like there's some sort of Twin Peaksy mystery to what she's saying. Yes, um, Twin Peaks <laughs> is a good vibe for this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's all. That's all it really is. I mean, this is one of the, this is from an album that really started to introduce me to uh, this, you know, underground hip hop, which I really was not into before. Uh, the early 2000s, I just knew the f- popular stuff. Um, I knew that the underground stuff was out there, and this is just one of the first places I started doing it, largely because uh, I think Radiohead was somehow uh, uh, pointing us in that direction is probably what it was. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, really great album, great track, uh, one of my favorite ones, and one of the most just sort of like um, – uh, perfectly attuned to me and thus meaningful songs on that album. I mean, this album uh, somehow came to prominence. I, I and as um, and I think that's because it was a breakthrough for this genre of instrumental hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, which even when I was listening listening to this and researching, um, I found out was a better defined genre than I thought. Um, I wondered how much this was hip hop versus, you know, trip hop, which it is some trip hop, but it's, there's definitely uh, a lane for instrumental hip hop um, Mm -hmm. that many of the producers we love are, are in. Um, Obviously that Jay Dilla is nothing but hip hop. You know what I mean? You're not going to call it something else. Yeah. Um, I think DJ Shadow is pretty militantly considers himself hip hop, but I could be wrong. Yes, he does. He does. Yeah. I'm just saying to me, I wondered about, you know, whether uh, songs without a vocal ah. rap track are hip hop. Um, and yeah. the answer seems to have been established as yes. And who am I to disagree with the elite <laughs> consensus? Um, but this album was, uh, you know, it really changed a lot of people's, uh, perception of the depth and impact of hip hop's art. And I yeah. think even to going back to, you know, more mainstream producers, um, I, like for instance, Dr. Dre, I mean, I think that people uh, started um, really fetishizing the, the beats as pieces of music themselves more mm-hmm. because of, um, you know, the work of DJ Shadow and other instrumental hip hop producers. And, yeah. and I mean, I certainly did. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, no, there's a, it's like he, uh, I don't know if he was the one who invented it, but I don't know of an earlier album this well acclaimed for being musical hip hop, if you want to put it that way, which is a yeah. completely um, classist thing to say, probably, or raucous thing to <laughs> and say. Whatever. But, yeah, you know what I mean. Yes. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, he really might be responsible for that. And certainly he's one of the exemplars. So I think um, that I think that also this album, based on what I was reading, it's hard to remember this now, but it's the use of samples mm-hmm. and such a wide variety of samples was extremely groundbreaking. Now there's so many um, tracks for hip-hop and rock that are just you know use samples from wildly different sources yeah and at that time in 1996 uh a lot of people us included had really um not heard that before at all yeah you know maybe if we were into paul's boutique or something like that it wouldn't Mm -hmm. have seemed as groundbreaking to us but this is in terms of technique anyway way ahead of Paul's technique as great as that album is so yeah yeah and um um I was looking this up to see Radiohead was like they talked up this album a lot as like influencing <laughs> okay computer there you and go. then of course Tom York appeared in DJ yeah. Shadow's uh collaboration Uncle yes um, on one of the tracks 
um, rabbit in your headlights which that song fucking rules it does great video too yes um okay uh unless you have further thoughts i say we go to our next track no i'm excited let's do it yeah let's take them back uh-huh Coming up, I was confused. My mama kissing a girl. Confusion the curse coming up in the cold world. Daddy ain't around, probably out committing felonies. My favorite rapper used to sing, check, check out my melody. I wanna live good, so shit, I sell dope for a full finger ring. One of them go ropes. Nana told me if I pass, I get a sheepskin go. If I can move a few packs, I get the hat. Now that'd be dope, tossed and turned in my sleep that night. Woke up the next morning, niggas have stole my bike. Different day, same shit, ain't nothing good in the hood. I run away from this bitch and never come back if I could. Hated to love it, the underdog's on top. And I'm gon' shine, homie, until my heart stop. Go ahead, envy me. I'm Raps MVP. And I ain't going nowhere, so you can get to know me. Hated to love it, the underdog's on top. And I'm gon' shine, homie, until my heart stop. Go ahead, envy me. I'm Raps MVP, and I ain't going nowhere, so you can get to know me. I'm so straight from the gate, I carry the heat for you. First mixtape song, I inherited beef for you. Gritted my teeth for you, shit your cheek for you. Put Compton on my back when you was in need of soldiers. At my last show, I threw away my W A gold and had the whole crowd yelling, free yo. So niggas better get up out of mind before I creep and turn your projects into Columbine. And I'm Raps MVP, don't make me remind y'all what happened in D.C. This nigga ain't got it, he pretend. Mad at us cause of shines, he got a new boyfriend. And it seems your little rat turned out to be a mouse. This beef shit is for the birds and the birds fly south. Even young buck can vouch when a doubt Um, okay, yeah, that was Hate It or Love It by 50 Cent The Game and all of their friends. Former friends, I guess, nowadays. Um, and, uh, I picked this song. Um, I think The Massacre uh where where this came from uh came out in 2005 or so i picked it because uh i still remember listening to this song for the first time and then immediately going on aim to uh to um ask my friend joe to give me his opinion on whether this was one of the greatest beats of all time (laughs) um (laughs) uh i think i might have said most moving beats of all uh top five most moving beats of all time but um yeah, so built on a sample from the Tramps uh, song Rubber Band, mm-hmm. which I listened to, and um, I would give them, I would give uh, Cool and Dre, the producers of this track, a uh, a three out of five on reinventing the song for the beat. Um, you definitely know, if you know this song, you you definitely know when you listen to Rubber Band that uh, that's where the samples came from, but mm-hmm. they did rearrange it a lot, and they, like, uh, particularly their real genius touch, I mean, the that awesome sort of uh uh loping baseline um and the the horns and strings in the background those are all like that's a particular section of the song that they pulled out um which rules um and they were correct to pick it uh but their real genius move was getting the one little uh uh sort of throwaway uh vocalization from the singer of the mm, uh, that i can't do um and making that into a repeating motif uh, of the beat. Uh, that's the part that really just pulls at me every time. And in fact, when I was putting this list together, I hadn't listened to this song in a little bit. And I was, uh, you know, thinking, trying to think about hip hop that especially moved me. And, uh, that sound came into my head and I couldn't remember what song it was from (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) And I was like, but whatever that song was, that's definitely on the list. And then I figured it out and I was like, Oh yeah, no question. Um, on top of the incredible beat, um, you have 50 Cent. Uh, surprisingly, the only person to show up on both of our lists. Um, but um, you have 50 Cent giving an actually kind of heartfelt verse um, in his classic smooth flow um, about some uh, fairly uh, fairly dark shit about his uh, growing up, you know, seeing his... Uh, uh, mom um, engaging in lesbian love affairs that he didn't understand. Um, trying to figure that out. It, it is. It is smooth. You know his his flow. He just. You feel as though he just was telling someone a story <laughs> and um, yeah. hit record. Hit record in the middle of it and then hit stop and like kept going. Yeah, it happened to fit perfectly to this beat. Yes. Um, yeah. So I really love his verse, the opening one. Uh, the game <laughs> is fine. Uh, uh, 
in classic the game style. Um, and then uh, the rest of G Unit, who really, gosh, they kind of all disappeared. Um, but the rest of G Unit, they definitely have some uh, uh, some good lines that have stuck in my head over the years. Like, um, I just like the way uh, whichever guy it is says, "Look, main, uh, uh, it's a hood thing. That's why I'm loved in Brooklyn." Like, that's just a good rhyme to me. Yes, delightful. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, I don't know. Tony Yayo has some good lines too. You and I have previously, uh, brought attention to the line, took the bullets out of 50, put them into my four or five. Oh yes. Yeah, so good. Thank you for reminding me that one. <laughs> Just that's really great. Uh, a word and number play. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, all those things together, mostly, as usual, it's about the beat for me. It's just, uh, I, again, if you can remember where you were when you first heard it, uh, that's impressive. So, um, uh, yeah, love this kind of. It's it's one of the the peaks of the um, the repurposed sort of soul vocal sample things of the middle of the last decade to me. Uh, and I, th- I guess my my question about this one is, uh, you know, why it is so meaningful to two uh, white ass crackers like us. <laughs> and I mean, there's there, it, I think the beat is a big reason for it. Um, mm-hmm. So well adapted. And then there, there's something else though, that, you know, these stories are really, really not our stories. And yeah. yet, um throughout all five members of g unit who apparently this is the only song they all appeared on together um Mm. uh i find myself uh you know moved and motivated yeah yeah and i think that goes to some extent to different ways that you and i interpreted this assignment in that you picked things that were definitely personally meaningful to you which is probably what you meant for me to do um (laughs) whereas i picked things that just um were like that that elicit especially emotional responses in me, and uh, whether or not it's necessarily related to my personal life, and I think an even better example of that is the song we're about to listen to, which is Angel Hayes's. Uh, I guess you would call it mm, uh, repurposing of cleaning out my closet. Uh, indeed. And I think we can move on to that because all I will keep saying about this is how good the sample is and just absolutely <laughs> iconic um, yes. for the, the time and place it was made. Here we go. Now, this might get a little personal, or a lot actually. Parental discretion is advised. Yo, luck, luck. When I was 10, shit, I believed I could fly. I would just flap my fucking arms and try to meet with the sky. And in my mind, I'd envision that I was speaking with God. And then I'd chop his fucking fist off and beat him with mine. But this is just a fucking portion of the war with my mind. So I'ma take you fuckers back and through the vortex of time. When I was seven, envision me at the bottom of stairs. And I solemnly swear that this is the truth, no fallacy here. See, I was young, man. I was just a toddler kid. And he wasn't the first to successfully try what he did. He took me to the basement and after the lights had been cut he whipped it out inside of my and forces cock through my guts see it was weird because i felt like i was losing my mind and then it happened like it happened like millions of times and i was swear that i was, that was a brief uh yet intense taste of angel hayes uh rapping her story over the beat uh to eminem's famous song cleaning out my closet um which i chose because um uh, the events depicted in this song have nothing to do with my life, uh, my own personal experience whatsoever. But uh, the first time I heard the song and the rest of the uh, mixtape EP it comes from, which are all songs of her uh, taking um, famous beats, uh, possibly by all male rappers, but certainly mostly, and uh, sort of twisting them around to serve her um, extremely intense purposes. Um, so the first time I heard this, it just like, you know, there's a lot of misery, uh, art out there. Um, and, uh, some of it is just miserable. Um, and some (laughs) of it, 
some of it makes you uh, want to go out and kill evil people. And this is definitely in the latter category for me. Um, you know, she sets it up by sort of uh, doing a little bit of a fake inspirational bit at the beginning about how she believes she could fly, flap her, her arms up and see God. And then it turns out that she's trying to murder God. And then you see why she's so mad when she starts detailing pretty much nonstop with no hook uh, over the course of four minutes um, the many times she was raped uh, as a seven-year-old and up, um, which is just fucking horrifying. Um, it's not. It's not pleasant at all. Um, the the uh, the details are graphic and horrible. Um, but also told so skillfully and with such emotion. Um, and then with the eventual sort of, um, not exactly uplifting, uh, but less awful conclusion that she, uh, you know, forced herself to sort of live through it and not kill herself and not totally hate herself. Hopefully that's still going well for her. Um, she's still alive anyway. Um, it's just uh it's just a fucking really crazy powerful to me uh just artistic exploration of actual real personal trauma um and uh i've never forgotten about the song since then it's uh it also i guess what's also impressive to me about it is that it just blows eminem whining about his mom out of the water so hard <laughs> Uh, I'm sure his mom was awful. I'm that sure that was a really true. miserable experience, but Jesus Christ, kind of hard to, to compare it to this. Oh man. So I don't know. What was your experience? Had you heard this song before Joe? And what was your experience with it? This time? I, th- I think I had heard this song once and then totally forgotten yeah. or perhaps purposefully uh, <laughs> kind of ch- chose to remove it from my mind, lest it, continue to disturb me um because it's it's a lot uh and of course it's really a singular um in terms of hip-hop that i've heard um, yeah and just the brutal honesty and that tone of of righteous anger mm-hmm. um which is it's hard to tell a story like this i mean especially when it's your own but just in general tell a story like this without it being cliched without it being um uh, just making it too hard for someone to listen to um, mm-hmm. and, you know, making it so someone who hasn't been through uh, that kind of trauma is still able to relate to it. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's probably the the achievement of Angel Hayes. It's most impressive here is that, you know, beyond the fact that she's able to speak about these things out loud, it's just that she is able to do so in a way um, that is meaningful um, mm-hmm. for uh, uh, a wide audience. Um, uh, yeah, and it's not it's not a track I will listen to um, too frequently. No, uh, there's there's it's weird, you know. It's like a, a very it is it's a very powerful short story, short memoir that you would probably if it was simply prose, if it was written in The New Yorker, you'd probably meet read like twice in your life mm-hmm. but as a rap song you know you you could uh <laughs> hear it uh you know a dozen times easily um or or even more if you were a big angel hayes fan yeah um and that's uh it's an interesting place uh for a story like this to be but yeah that's uh, probably all the more impactful because of it yeah um I will, in closing uh, about it, I agree with everything you said. Uh, uh, when Angel Hayes did a year or two after this release her debut album, it was a real shame to me that um, it ended up being fairly nondescript. So maybe she has it uh, in her, or maybe the industry will give her the backing she needs to um, produce a really great statement in the future. But uh, she sort of dropped off the map, and I would love to hear the true Angel Hayes again someday. Uh yes yes I, I I will still I do need to go listen to some of her newer albums so she's been releasing singles and albums since then so oh really see I've sort of yeah. haven't heard about them so I need to pay attention um okay uh here's our last track 
um, by Savage Beast's favorite, Run the Jewels. Yes. With a report to the shareholders, Kill Your Masters. Is a horse, of course, but who rides is important. Sitting high with a uniform, barking orders, demanding order. And I'm scared that I talk too much about what I think's going on. I got away with this, they might drag me away for this. Put me in a cage for this, I might pay for this. So just say what I want, like I'm made for this. But I'm afraid some days I might be wrong. Maybe that's why me and Mike get along. Hey, not from the same part of town, but we both hear the same sound coming. Woo! And it sounds like war, Woo! and it breaks our hearts. When I started this band, didn't have no plans, didn't see no arc. Uh, just run with the crap, have a couple laughs, make a fucking dash, yeah, yeah. Get a little dap, like, yeah, I'm the fucking man, yeah. Maybe give a little bat, like, yeah, I do what I can. It's all jokes and smoke, till the truth starts scheming. Can't contain it, it's stained for y'all demons. Talk cleaning, bomb hospitals, so I speak with the foulest mouth possible. And I drink like a Vulcan, losing all faith in the logical. Will not be confused with dots till I'm free, Okay, uh, that is the final track from Run the Jewels 3. Uh, the so far last album from Run the Jewels. Shortly to be remedied, hopefully. Um, and uh, I, we don't need to talk about this song too much because I realized after I picked it that I'm pretty sure we talked about it a lot when Run, <laughs> Run the Jewels 3 came out. Um but that was like two years ago now. Um, uh, I, honestly, I went through the Run the Jewels catalog trying to find which uh, RTJ song I would pick. Um, and I came back to this one just because, uh, you know, obviously, like many RTJ songs, it has a, an incredible LP beat. And uh, in this case, you get not two, but three great rappers, uh, thanks to the uh, final verse from Zach De La Roca, whom we talked about last week time. Um, it is uh, pretty badass that they gave him the closing verse on the album. Um, but uh, it's something about the mood. Uh, you know, they're always doing sort of protest rap. Um, not always, but most of the time. Um, but it's something about the um, this like perfect blend of um, sort of uh, sorrow for the evil in the world and yet um, badass defiance against uh, letting anybody continue to do evil things to the world. Um, that is like, I don't know, to me it's a really perfect way to approach uh, society and the world as it is. Um, you know, with both uh, a combination of, I don't wanna say empathy, because it's such a buzzword now, but um, uh, you know, just, uh, sense sensibility, I guess, and yet also um, a uh, a sort of uh, to use an outdated term, manful uh, willingness to to um, uh, try to make the world a better place, and on top of that, just um, a lot of good shit talking even mixed in there too, um, with Mike. Uh, <laughs> I don't have the lyrics in front of me, so I can't pull off his "you a bitch, you a bitch, you a bitch" bit, but um, that's funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, also, <laughs> I know we talked about this line before, but it's still funny. I drink like a Vulcan, losing all faith in the logical. Uh, yes, it's, it's a great line. Um, uh, it's just good stuff. Yeah, you did. I mean, you, that was a great summary of, you know just what run the jewels does they mm -hmm. um kind of speak truth to power but maintain a sense of humor while they're doing it and perhaps mm -hmm. a sense of um i don't want to say helplessness but there there's definitely there's uh, sorrow there's know? sorrow i mean i think and i think that's one of the reasons that it works is because um you know, Killer Mike and LP definitely have different approaches to it. I mean, I, you know, Killer Mike is a radical uh, to some extent. You know, he advocates, you know, that, that African-Americans should own guns and, you know, be ready to stand up against the government. Um, mm -hmm. And LP is more of a, a, 
you know, he's still a, a progressive guy, but he's more of a, uh, laid back Brooklyn stoner about it. Um, <laughs> kind of getting angry on his couch, which I, I don't mean to, to, um, it's not an insult. That's yeah. just his, his approach to it is more about, about talking rather than action. And I think that, I guess um, the way I would put it is that when the dystopian future state comes, Mike will be under arms in the resistance and, and LP will be, um, sort of one of those dudes working in the shadows, maintaining his position in regular society, but also bringing the system down. Yes, totally. Um, and this, uh, yeah, we've talked about this song. It's beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's shows the full range of their powers by, um, bringing that, that epic rock quality mm. almost to their, to their music. Yeah. So yeah, run the jewels. It's all meaningful. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, except or, maybe the cat sounds version of RTJ three. Did you ever listen to that? I listened to uh, one track of it <laughs> and it was, uh, it was funny. Yeah. But, and I mean, obviously if you were into the art of production, yeah, there would be interesting things going on. There are, yes, I think you would probably really get a kick out of it, but um, I have not yet found the time to fully uh, dive in. I should, though. I feel like I'd probably enjoy it. Yeah, I never listened to even a little bit. I should definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Um, so that's it. That's my meaningful hip-hop, Joe. Um, do you have any final thoughts on meaningful hip-hop before we sign off? Uh, no, just that it's still, um, I can't remember if I had this thought at the end of the last one, but I'm excited to see what my meaningful hip hop list will include, uh, in years to come. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay. Well, Joe, this has been fun. I want everybody to continue to interact with our increasingly, um, minimally popular Twitter account. Um, where we've both been putting up some some good stuff, mm-hmm. uh, if I say so on your behalf, anyway. Yes, yes, um, we've been particularly funny, or particularly high, depending yes. on your point of view. Um, you know, it's not uncommon for those things to go together. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's at Savage Beast Pod. You can also, of course, rate, review, subscribe, uh, like, lick, um, uh, grope us on iTunes. Any of those things would yes. be great. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, you know email seventiespot at gmail dot com do that too uh, we would love to hear from you all um, so thanks everybody and good night kill your masters mm-hmm. etc unless your master is Paul nah kill him anyway yeah yeah no I mean you know I'm willing to take one for yes the, yes for the fixing of society but take care of my kids that's all right I ask. yes yes all right good night peace. <laughs>